Week two is right around the corner with a lot of big storylines, headlined by the fact that Colorado could enter Pac-12 play as a 3-0 football team. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team free as of 2024. And beloved until then, Conference of Champions, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. Today we have my man Kevin Borba of Lockdown Buffs. He also writes about the Stanford Cardinal and is a Pac-12 fan writ large. We've got big storylines to talk about, non-conference matchups to get into a scheduling question as well. But the biggest story in the Pac-12, Kevin, is what can Colorado be by the time conference play actually begins? And look, I I had TCU pegged as a pullback team. I didn't think they were pulling back to lose to Colorado coming into 2023. But we are living in a world right here, right now, where Colorado is going to be favored to be 3-0 and ranked in the top 25 as they are number 22 in the AP poll when they take on Oregon at Autzen Stadium on September 23rd. Yeah, Colorado just went out there on offense and absolutely cooked the Horn Frogs. Um, I talked about it on just about every preview show I did. I said I had my doubts about TCU. I could never pull the trigger on being like, I think Colorado's going to win. And now I look like an idiot because they obviously won. And I think realistically, if their defensive line linebacker group had a pulse, they probably win that game by double digits. Um, I think TCU was just eating them up in the run game. And that was kind of the only the main negative that you could take away from the game for Colorado, because other than that, they were clicking on all cylinders on offense. Travis Hunter um, may be a top five college football player right now. Um, And prior to the season, he was probably top 30. I would say he's probably top five and he's moving towards two or three, um, obviously behind Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. But yeah, I was not expecting that kind of performance, but now I'm just, I've learned to not doubt Colorado. Yeah, I, I think we've all kind of gotten to, to that point, and that's going to be a sweet victory lap for many people as they listen to or watch this show who were buying into the bus hype coming into this season. And, you know, to the victors go the spoils if that's uh, where you actually were mentally going going into this year. You're probably feeling pretty good right about now. But Colorado, I tweeted out about midway through the second quarter because I had been so impressed with their offense and the execution. I mean, Shadur Sanders made good decisions. He's got the arm, the physical traits. We know all that. But Sean Lewis had those kids ready to go. That There was a clear identity there. It was tempo and a quick passing game. And, and then that set up some shots down the field later. I was really, really impressed. And I tweeted out during the second quarter, if you can still get Colorado plus nine and a half, go, 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 because that's not going to last. And now we're living in a world, Kevin, where Colorado is favored against a team that before the season, they were a nine and a half point underdog. Colorado, last I checked on FanDuel, was favored by three and a half is where the line had gotten to. It's a curious line. We can talk about that in a sec. But that shift from nine and a half point underdog to three and a half point favorite is indicative of how monumentally impactful that game was on Saturday in Fort Worth. Yeah, I think the the win kind of flipped the narrative. I think a lot of people viewed Colorado as it was 
them playing against TCU, the whole storyline was how much they're going to lose by. That was literally the only storyline. It was how we know Shadur Sanders is good. We know Travis Hunter is going to be good, but how much will this Deion Sanders led team lose by? And obviously they won. And so now the narrative is flipped. And so now everybody's like, oh shoot, Colorado is actually a good team. And if you guys go back to our locked on pack 12 episode, I don't know from when I've always doubted this Nebraska team. And I said a long time ago that Colorado should be two and one going into pack 12 play. Um, I didn't expect this to be a 3-0 Colorado team going into Pac-12 play, but now facing a Nebraska team that looked horrendous on offense, um, I think all of the all the signs are pointing towards Colorado starting off 2-0. Um, I think they'll probably be, if there's some more movement in the top 25, they could be a top 20, top 19-ish team. Um, so, yeah, hard not to be excited if you're a Colorado fan. If you're a Nebraska fan, um, you kind of have to wonder, like, what if we hired Coach Prime? Because they had the same opportunity um, to shoot uh, young Mr. Coach Prime a message, and they did not. Yeah, and, you know, Nebraska certainly expected to be worse than TCU in, in 2023. And I looked at those games and said, ah, I, I, I just – I don't know about Coach Prime coaching at the Power 5 level. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen the offense. I haven't seen the players. But Nebraska had plenty of new as well. And even at that time, I didn't think Colorado would be favored. I wasn't. I didn't pick them before the season to win that particular game. But I did say that's clearly the more likely matchup of the two to win. So now that you've beaten TCU as a massive underdog, you're not going to catch Vegas off guard again. They've adjusted the line. I do wonder if it isn't sharp to take Nebraska because that line came down, but Vegas always keen on getting 50% of the bets on one side and 50% on the other and always keen on making money still after the game didn't put Colorado as the favorite. So much money came in on the Colorado side of things that they moved the line so that Colorado was the favorite. So betting Nebraska is intriguing. I haven't decided if it's going in my Pac-12 prime picks yet because for some reason, and look, Vegas couldn't figure out TCU a year ago. So there are enigmas that even the Sharps can't can't quite comprehend. But th- there are instances like that. But Vegas, for some reason, even after they beat TCU, didn't make the bus the outright favorite, at least in the timeline that that line moved. And now they are, I think, because a bunch of the public money came in. What do you make of that? What, why, why would Vegas have still been thinking after week one in which Nebraska looked putrid and did a Nebraska, as they always have done for the last several years, and Colorado was the story of the country? Why do you think Nebraska was still favored for a while after that TCU game? Yeah, I think one, there's a little bit of scare, being a little frightened. I think they probably lost a ton of money this past week. Um, past Saturday because people were all in on Coach Prime. They're all in on Colorado. And two, maybe they were like, maybe we were wrong on TCU. Maybe Colorado is just beat up on a bad TCU team because I feel like that's a rising narrative now. Um, it changed from TCU was a really good team that just made the championship that's going to build off of it to now. Well, they did lose a lot. And so things are different there in Fort Worth. And so obviously there's always a storyline in every direction. But yeah, I think Vegas is a little... Um, if, if there's ever been a time where Vegas is confused, I think it's this time um, because Nebraska was supposed to be all worldly. Jeff Sims was supposed to have turned things around. And I don't know about all worldly, but I think they thought Mount Rule would come in and, and turn things around quicker right. than they thought Dion perhaps would in Colorado. Yeah, I think they're all worldly, probably a poor choice of words, but I think they were expected to kind of compete right away. Um, I think compete in the Big Ten at least or compete in the Big Ten West. Like they were expected Nebraska to be what Colorado looks like they might be 
<laughs> after one week. Whereas Nebraska, it's like Jeff Sims looks like the exact same guy at Georgia Tech, just in a red and white uniform. He's still throwing jump uh, jump balls into quadruple coverage. He still can run, and he's still a great athlete, but he doesn't make the best decisions. He has a heck of an arm. Um, they just haven't untapped his potential yet. And so I don't know. I wouldn't bet on Nebraska at all. Uh, I think this Colorado – um, the Colorado showing just has me much more confident than I was about a month ago in Colorado. And so now I'm just riding the buffs train and hanging on for dear life. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I would either not bet the game or not put it in the PAC 12 prime picks or bet Colorado because they were just so buttoned up offensively in week one way beyond. Now they did not run the football with any amount of success. And I don't think that's an elite TCU run defense. They did not stop the run against a TCU team that, you know, same sort of narrative point in there. Like, oh, well, they're reloading a little bit. Well, TCU ran the ball for seven yards of carry. So this is not a complete Colorado team, but offensively, they have a passing game that can clearly produce at a high level against power five competition. And I think that says something. And I'll be honest, I got to let it sit until Friday before I make a, a, a prediction here for every game but the the idea of Colorado being 3 and 0 Kevin just like we said feels much more realistic and tangible than it did what would that have been 96 hours ago yeah i think to to kind of put a bow on this Colorado kind of reminds me of and this is an eye roll comparison i know but the Lincoln Riley led US, Oklahoma teams or USC team, I guess they don't play defense either, um, where they're all offense, <laughs> um, um, minimal all gas, no breaks. Yes, literally all gas, um, nothing but breaks on defense. Um, that's what this Colorado <laughs> team reminds me of. I think there's going to be some changes and some modifications made. They were made, they're playing without some guys. Um, they added a Tennessee transfer like literally a week before the season who's going to play linebacker. That'll probably be a starter right away once he learns the system and all that. But yeah, Colorado being 3-0, I think that feels more likely than um, – I don't even know. Like it's, We were having conversations like two months ago. We were like, who knows what this Colorado team is. And now it's like I'd be shocked if they weren't 3-0. That's like where I'm at right now. Like I would be genuinely shocked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be shocked. I, I, I'll, okay, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked, and, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Putting together a championship team is hard, and eBay Motors is just the place to do that because it's all about making sure on a championship team, every player is the perfect fit. Same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back because just like in sports and the transfer portal and conference realignment confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors to find that perfect fit and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply let's ride ebay A second segment sip. The infamous second segment sip. For Spencer the, the second segment sip has never, not a single solitary time, <laughs> let me down on this show or any other show for that matter. It's essential. Here's, here's why I won't be shocked if Colorado ends up going 2-1 and one in a conference play, which is still a win for the Buffs, by the way. Like, I know everyone now wants them to win eight or nine games. Like, just getting to a bowl game would be, which was your prediction before the season started, not mine. Uh, I, I definitely appear to be wrong on that, as many others were. 
I look at Colorado and say, okay, I, I thought they'd beat Colorado State before the season. That is clearly going to happen. So there's 2-0. and This Nebraska game, it's different because I think it feels different inside that locker room for the Buffs because you are no longer playing the underdog role, right? It's not we coming, it's we here. But now you're going to play in front of your home fans who are going to be juiced and are going to pack that place to the brim and are going to be absolutely loud. But there is a diff. people can deny this all they want. It is different when you are expected to do something versus you're not expected to do anything. I see what you're saying. And technically the odds makers expect them to win. And obviously Colorado fans of there, there's so many national championship bets out there that Vegas is probably still happy with all their, their bets. They've gone Colorado national championships, but we are, what is it? Tuesday when we're recording this, we're about six days ish removed from Tom Lugan, Lubinville, whatever his name is from ESPN saying that Colorado has the worst roster in college football, worse than UMass. He said that verbatim said they had the worst roster worse than UMass. Well, you know, that's why ESPN has had some tough times and we here at the locked on network are doing great. And here's the thing though. There's so much (laughs) ammo about Colorado being bad or not like they're not bad now, but before the season, there's so much ammo and so many takes like Deion Sanders Jr. Posted articles, which he posted one of mine, which was cool of just people saying that Colorado was going to be bad. Um, It wasn't me saying they were going to be bad, by the way. Just want to put that out there. It was me writing about someone. And here's the thing. They have so much ammo and so much us first the world mentality that I don't think Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is going to let them get caught up in we won one game. Because after the game, he said we did not run the ball. We did not defend well. And I'm sure in the locker room, because he's a very animated guy, he's a very real guy, he probably said if we want to win, we cannot give up 500, 600 yards of offense. And so I think they have enough ammo to kind of keep this underdog mentality. Okay, I, I think that is a perfectly valid counterpoint. Still, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I'm leaning towards Colorado to win the game at, at home because I was utterly unimpressed with Nebraska, though the Cornhuskers played really good defense. So will they be able to stifle what Colorado is doing offensively? We'll, we'll just have to see. But the Buffs are not the only Pac-12 storyline here going into week two. Some big-time non-conference games, including the first Pac-12 intra-conference matchup. Um, I always have to think about inter versus intra, but it is intra, I, I believe. Doesn't so you've got, <laughs> you've got USC and Stanford yeah. taking each other on at the Coliseum uh, this this Saturday. USC, despite Stanford's, I thought, really good showing in week one against Hawaii. Yep. This is why. They're still a 29-point underdog uh, against the Trojans, so I don't expect them to have any any issues there, but as you look at the rest of the non-conference slate, Kevin, which games kind of stand out to you as the Pac-12 looks to remain undefeated against teams outside the Pac-12? Yeah, and I think honestly, to give Stanford some props, they they played quite well. They were only they three did. Point, they were only three-point favorites against Hawaii. Um, the offense in Detroit Taylor was clicking. The defense like looked really good, and so obviously, yeah, I David Bailey, who. Boy, he, he looked he looked good. He had like four tackles for loss and three sacks. More sacks in one game than he had all last season. So yeah. he has clearly been untapped. But here's the thing. Um, when you look at the schedule, there's a ton of great games, but there's two that stand out to me. Um, honorable mention would be Baylor-Utah, but Baylor's without their starting quarterback. So that game, I lost my interest. I think Baylor's terrible. They lost to Texas State, who has never been a Power 5 team until then. So I'm out on Baylor. Um, <laughs> I look at Arizona um, at, at Mississippi State. 
Uh, realistically, it's kind of like a gunslinger versus gunslinger mentality. Will Rogers, Jaden Delora, um, shout out Mike Leach, may he rest in peace. But that's kind of like the perfect game of like what his football would have been or like what his football schematics were. Um, that's the game I'm interested in. And then I also, um, this one is kind of a sickos game, but you have to go Texas Tech, Oregon, even though Texas Tech lost to Wyoming. Um, I still think they're a good team. And it kind of you kind of have that Tyler Shuck uh, revenge or avenging loss or I don't know what it would be revenge. He kind of would left. be revenge. Yeah. Clap back. I don't revenge know. Something. Vibes, but yeah, I think that's a good one. And then honestly, Cal Auburn, uh, you mm. Cal, mm. Cal dropped 58 points and mm-hmm. if they could score. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I'm just saying mm-hmm. those, those are my three. Sorry. Okay. So I, I like, I like all of those picks and every day is no, I, I have been bullish on Cal for a long time, so much so that perhaps I single-handedly moved their win total from four and a half to five and a half. It hasn't been confirmed, but I've done my own research as to who influenced that line to move up an entire game on FanDuel, and the end result was, of course, me. But so I I love the Cal-Auburn matchup. I think it's fascinating. I think Cal's going to win that game. I've said that for a while. Now, Sam Jackson is questionable. He's day-to-day. That's uh, the, the report from the press conference that Justin Wilcox had the other day. So I feel better if Sam Jackson plays. But I thought Ben Finley last weekend against North Texas, Kevin, did a more than serviceable job running the offense. I mean, he was the primary quarterback for, in, in terms of snaps played for a Cal offense that did something they haven't done. And they've played group of five and FCS opponents over the years. It's been eight years since they put up that many points. That's their most points in a game since 2015. I was impressed. They ran the ball exceptionally well. That's going to be a lot tougher, a lot tougher against the Auburn Tigers out of the SEC for sure. But if you tell me right now, Cal can either, either Sam Jackson plays, which will make it easier to run the football, or they're able to run the football successfully with Ben Finley, I think Cal is going to win that football game. They are going to be in my Pac-12 prime picks as a six-and-a-half-point dog. Yeah, honestly, I I was surprised at how well Ben Finley played. But when you think about how long it took them to announce the starter, it obviously had to be close, um, the quarterback battle between him and Sam Jackson. So Yep, it was. Um, I think they have another quarterback controversy on their hands. Um, just because if Ben Finley plays well again, is it his job? I think so. It has to be. Um, nothing against Sam Jackson, but no, I don't think Ben Finley's out here balling. I'm starting the discussion. I'm stirring the pot. If he plays well, you got you got to at least consider. You have to. I'm stirring the pot now. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great matchup for them defensively. They're always gonna. Cal's always been solid on defense. They've always been stout. But it's their offense has, has always been the issue. And for them to put up 58 points, like I was, I thought ESPN had an error when I first was checking the scores. I was like, no, <laughs> that's like probably eight or not the Bears. The Bears don't put up 58 points. I was like, absolutely not. I was like, is this a basketball score? Did I click on a basketball game? Like, I was not expecting that, but good for Cal. Good for Cal. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I feel the same way. I, I like your Arizona-Mississippi State pick. I think that is the the game that has that presents the opportunity for a program to most alter our perception of them beyond just this season is, yeah. I think, Arizona at Mississippi State. And I'll tell you why. Arizona is a program that I like where they are going. I like what they are doing. I thought week one on a small scale was indicative of what Jed Fish has been doing 
when he first got there, they lost to NAU. Here he is going into year three, and they win by 35 points. Okay, I understand it's NAU, but that's a seismic shift of an FCS team being able to compete with you versus not being able to score a touchdown against you. That is point number one. Point number two is Arizona picked up a marquee conference win last year against UCLA. And they are a team that, or they were a team that year that was contending for the Pac-12 championship. They were, they got off to that 6-0 start. They'd beaten Utah. And then as the season wore on, they lost that game to Arizona. And Arizona, like Colorado, was about a 20-point underdog. 20, 20 and a half points was, was the line in that game. And I remember because I had Arizona in the Pac-12 prime picks, but on the other side. I thought UCLA was going to blow them out. But that was kind of a, oh, okay, Arizona is working their way up on the rebuild here. But the non-conference slate is an opportunity for for that program to really bolster themselves. And by the way, we're going to talk about Washington State in just a moment. That is an opportunity to put the rest of the country at some level on notice. Look, Mississippi State's a smaller brand in the SEC. But if you hear Arizona football beat an SEC program on the road, that 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 is something that sends maybe not shockwaves, but ripples throughout the college football community to go, what is Jed Fish building over there in Arizona and what are they bringing into the Big 12 next year? Yeah, I think those who like pay close attention to college football know that Jed Fish is building. Um, oddly enough, when they lost to NAU, that was my first day at the Pac-12 Networks. So that was <laughs> quite a day. <laughs> I was like stunned because I was like, NAU, wow, good for them, I guess. Um, but yeah, we've come such a long way from 111 losing to NAU to now they're going to Mississippi State, Starkville, hostile environment. They got the cowbell thing. It's going to be loud. Um, they're rowdy. Any football program in the South, whether they're good or not, outside of Vanderbilt, has a rowdy, a rowdy <laughs> environment. No shade. It's just what it, my cousin went there. No shade. Um, kind of shade, but kind of warranted. It's just facts. Um, but yeah, Arizona has this is a statement win for them. Um, I think we both predict, predicted they would make a a bowl game, right? Yep, I have them seven and five. Okay, so I'm. I think it said six and six, seven and five around the same as well. So this would be a key win for them. Um, and I think this is a program shifting win and they've been recruiting well and they've been doing everything right. And this is just kind of a see we could compete uh, kind of win. Yeah. So let, let's move to another one that, that did happen on the road for a Pac-12 school a year ago. And that's Washington State, which just the fact that they were able to get a home and home with Wisconsin is a testament to what the late Mike Leach built at Wazoo, because remember, these things are scheduled so far in advance. And in 2009, Wisconsin wasn't going to schedule a home-and-home with Washington State. What's the point? They're a bottom dweller in the pack, but then they built themselves up. They're a more respectable brand. I like Jake Dicker as a football coach. I really do. They're a a four-and-a-half-point underdog, and that is an intriguing line for the Pac-12 prime pick. I'm always wary of those lines that are like four or five. Those are the ones I stay away from. Yeah, I know. It feels feels icky and gross, and I don't want to touch it. But they picked up a win that really bolstered their program's reputation a year ago when they won at Wisconsin. I think Arizona's in that same sort of boat. You know, like that would mean the same to Arizona that it meant to Washington State. Like that was a huge, huge win. Here's a good tidbit for you, Kevin. This is the first Power 5 non-conference opponent to be ranked in the top 25 to come to Pullman since 1998. Wow. That is the last time they played someone outside the pack at the Power 5 level that was ranked in the top 25. It has been a minute, and this is an opportunity for Washington State. Like, if they sweep, first of all, if they win this game, they should be ranked unquestionably. I thought they got robbed 
of being in the top 25 last year because they started 3-0 and and they had that win at Wisconsin and somehow they didn't make the top 25. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Utterly, utter, utterly ridiculous. They received some votes. So I think a win here, they at least have to be 19. Yeah, because they were, uh, the, they, they like Cal were impressive against a, a group of five team that they are better than. They mm-hmm. looked significantly better than and they hung at least half a century's worth of points on there. But this Wisconsin game, I mean, I'm I'm so stoked this to watch. Be, I think it's gonna be a great football game. It's gonna be a great game. This is like a if you asked me to pick a winner, I'd be like, I don't know. Because Wisconsin, like, did they look as good as I thought they would with Tanner Mordecai and Luke Fickle and all all them boys? No. I honestly thought Buffalo hung in there for a long time with them. And I thought I thought Wisconsin would be much better than that. Um, but at the same time, there's a saying, and I, I kind of hate it because it's so true. You grow your most from week one to week two, or you improve your most from week one to week two. So maybe that was just kind of like a feel you out game for Wisconsin. Um, but I think this Cam Cam Ward led Washington State team, they have a lot to prove, and that's kind of why I lean t- towards them as well. Because obviously the conference realignment didn't go their way, um, unfortunately. Um, but hey, they have a chance to make a statement, and this is how you make that statement. Yeah, I agree. By the way, I was just looking that line has now moved out towards six and a half. Wisconsin minus six and a half. Oh. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. I need like home open home opener in Pullman. Jake Dickard and Cam Ward back at it off a seven and six season. I that's a lot of points. I, I need like three weeks before I can like confidently make gambling in college football. Because <laughs> it's like are are yeah, they or did they just get luckier? Like for like a team like TCU, are they terrible or like, or did they just get punched in the mouth? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. It's easier once you have more information, but that's what makes this stuff so much fun. Um, and is making me now question the uh, success of the PAC 12 prime picks in week one. Did I just get lucky or do I know what I'm doing this year? We're going to find out. I'm trying to get well over 50% did not do so a season ago. One I wanted to ask you about before I let you go for today's show, Kevin, yeah. Arizona state, I was on the radio call for, for Southern Utah down in Tempe and Arizona state quite frankly looked awful. I mean, they were sloppy with penalties. They did not score a touchdown in the second half. Granted there was a two and a half hour lightning delay, but last time I checked Southern Utah had to deal with that as well. So their offense sputtered with their true freshman quarterback, who I don't think they were expecting to start this early. They had a blunder on special teams. They committed a lot of penalties. They needed a couple of penalties from Southern Utah to help them win the game. Is Oklahoma State so bad that they're only a three and a half point favorite in Tempe? Or, like, what do you make of that line? That seems, after that performance against an FCS school, that seems so low to me. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State had a weird quarterback situation where this whole offseason I was reading about Alan Bowman, the former Texas Tech and Michigan quarterback who was like revived. Like, it was everything Oklahoma State needed was him, and he was neat. He needed Oklahoma State, and then all of a sudden he didn't start. And then he played, and it was he was fine. And then they put in Gunnar Gundy, and like Oklahoma State, if you look at their stat line, they played three quarterbacks, and it's like super confusing because oh, they boy. did not they did not impress. Um, but here's the thing: they're kind of like this in the Big Twelve. They're viewed as their schedule is so terrible that they could make it to the Big Twelve championship because they avoid Texas. They have a really easy uh, out of conference schedule. And then the Arizona State thing, you like you mentioned, I thought. First quarter-ish, first half-ish, they were they looked good. I thought Jane Rashada was going to lead them to a blowout victory, and then they fizzled. Um, they I, fizzled big time. 
they fizzled. I don't even know you call that fizzle. They just like were straight up extinguished. Um, so that'd be concerning. I, I think I would go Oklahoma State there just because I don't know. There was a lot wrong. Arizona State kind of looked like what I think most people expected Colorado to look like. I I, I agree. And after week one, I was much more impressed with uh, with with Colorado than ASU, obviously by 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 a long shot. But yeah, the three quarterback situation gives me pause about Oklahoma State. But I just think this is a, this is a rebuild year for ASU. Jaden Rashada is starting just his second game. Got a lot of talent. He had some really good moments, but he did not have a great. He completed less than sixty percent of his passes against an FCS school. I know it was his first game, but still, I, I think that he's capable of more than that. And we'll see what he gets in week two. This will be his first Power Five opponent, and I, I just that is an early contender for the Pac-12 prime picks. Is Oklahoma State minus uh, minus three and a half? We'll have to wait until Friday for those. Make sure you tune in if you haven't already by liking and subscribing. Kevin Borba, Locked On Buffs, appreciate it, man. Good, good stuff today. Thank you. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time, and until then, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.